0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Podcast 61 with that new card smell. Open the booster, open the booster, open the booster. Need another booster? So there was another Guild Wars 2 beta weekend event and so I got in and I got to check that out. I could have played my character I had before but there was a friend I had not seen in a while so I decided to move over to their region I guess you could say because they were a different race and so they started in a different area and I was kind of expecting to play with them so you know I figured I'd start a character over there so we could do that. We didn't wind up playing together. And I later found out that I could have just moved my old character over, just bam, and had no problem. So that was kind of annoying because I could have been, you know, doing new levels and content instead of just, you know, working on the same levels I'd already done. But this server was a bit different. It showed a low population every time I came in. And I don't know if that is low overall, or if that is low for, you know, the final launch target figure. But I hardly saw anybody ever. I would say maybe I saw two or three people an hour. And for a game that is supposed to be, you know, mostly an MMOG, that seemed really, really sparse. Yes, part of the strength of Guild Wars 2 is that it is primarily a single player game or soloable and that you can choose to join other people or not you know totally up to you but the last weekend I played there were lots of people around all the time and so there you know there were events going on and there were lots of people doing you know various stages of the event levels and so there were lots of people doing different levels of the event you know I could join in at whatever you know tasks I could accomplish for my level But this time when I encountered an event, there was maybe only one or two other people in the whole area. So it's like, okay, I'm supposed to do 20 of this thing. Okay, I'm spending, you know, three minutes doing one thing. This is going to take forever. This isn't very interesting. And it's like there weren't very many people around to do the cool events. So the cool events were much less cool because it felt very grindy because I was there by myself. Or in some cases, the event was just so much higher level than me I I couldn't do anything like one area was I think spawning like level 14 or 15 critters and at the time I was only like level 10 but with enough people around that were level 10 to 15 you know we could have beaten them back and we could have done the event instead the event just kept spawning more and more guys and more and more guys just beat down the area and they were just completely dominating and nothing could stop them And while cool to go, oh, look, this event is totally beating the players, it's like, you know, you look around, there's only two or three other people, and there's nothing you could do about it. It suddenly goes from, oh, hey, that's cool, to, well, that's really annoying and in my way. So I don't know. I had a much less cool time this time. If low population was truly represented this weekend, and you only see a few people an hour, you know, I don't want to be on that kind of server. If I'm going to be playing a single-player game, you know, I don't necessarily want to see other people unless, you know, I choose to do co-op or whatever. And if I'm going to play something that is supposed to be, you know, single player slash multiplayer, there needs to be other players around to have that multiplayer experience. Otherwise, it's just a single player game and then, you know, you've got all that other stuff thrown in that is not really good for a single player game. So well, I would not rate it as bad or, you know, an experience that dooms the game, I certainly think that these player caps that they have in these zones are really far too low for what they're trying to accomplish. Like I said, in my previous weekend, I think there was a decent amount of people around. In the events, there were, you know, plenty of people around to do the event. When I was just walking around exploring, there was pretty much always two or three people, you know, on my screen at any given time. But this time, they're just weren't really enough people to do any events except for two events that I did for the whole weekend and when I was running around soloing it's like if I saw one or two other people at all it was a huge deal so for me that was kind of disappointing not enough people so I don't know there still is no release date and my final verdict on if I will pick it up or not is still up in the air you know there isn't a subscription so In that regard, it is pretty much a win if you decide to pick it up and play. Even just 25 hours or so, you've pretty much gotten your money worth in terms of entertainment. But again, you know, since I would be playing by myself as far as I know, you know, I I don't know how interesting that would be. And, you know, I'll check out the other weekends and see how it is and see how I feel as time goes on. So, today is Wednesday for me, and Magic the Gathering Duel of the Planeswalkers 2013 edition has launched, and I picked it up. It was actually much smaller than I thought it would be, and it picked up pretty quickly. I think it only took about an hour, maybe two hours to get it on my super slow connection. It's only something like 1 gig big, so it's really tiny, from what I recall. You know, I could be wrong. I was thinking on how to review it, and even though I've only played an hour and a half so far, you know, and it wouldn't be a full review, I'm finding that I'm having a lot of difficulty in thinking about how I can review it in terms people would understand. Being a collectible card game, it's kind of a creature of its own. With most games, you could say like, you know, if you're talking about a shooter game, you can say it's kind of like this and kind of like this and kind of like this. Or, you know, it has these kind of general shooting ideas or styles that people are already familiar with. With a collectible card game, you either have to know collectible card games or you don't. There's really no way to describe them and say, well, it's kind of like this because, you know, it's its own thing It you either know it or you don't. Additionally, Magic has this really huge long history. Off the top of my head, the card game itself, the physical card game probably goes back somewhere upwards to almost 20 years, if not slightly more. I remember it being somewhere around the early to mid 90s that I got into the card game and I left not too long after because it's kind of really difficult to play because because all the cards have, you know, different abilities and stuff and so you need a good group to trade cards with and you need a good pool of people to, you know, trade with without spending a bunch of money. But the only way I can really describe it is I saw someone post there are somewhere around 850 cards I don't know if that is accurate I'm gonna take their word for it and each of those cards were different cards now you have a deck and your deck is comprised of multiple cards of each card that you want but you can only have so many of each type like I believe as a general rule for most cards you can only have four of one specific card If you have a land card, I think there's an unlimited number of land cards if they're generic land cards. It's been so long since I've played, I don't know the rules on, you know, special land cards. But very, very, very basically, the game is built into rounds, you know, your turn, the opponent's turn. And you play certain cards, and then you can attack the other person. So as example, you play a land card. And then you can tap that land card, and by tap you turn it sideways, and then you get whatever the effect is for that card. And in this case, a land will generate one mana of whatever color type it is. And there are five colors in Magic. And then you can use that one mana for, you know, doing something else. Let's say you have a really low-cost creature that only costs one mana. You can summon it, and then it will be on the battlefield ready to go, or not you know, depending on the rules, and these creatures have basically an attack stat and a defense stat, and when you tell them to go attack, they will do the damage of their attack stat. If an opposing creature blocks them, you have to match or exceed their defense stat to kill them. If they are not blocked, they will attack the opposing player, and the players have, you know, so many health or hit points before they are defeated. So where it gets complicated is, you know, different creatures have different attack and defense stats, and they cost more points, and there's cards that do direct damage, and there's cards that say, this card goes away, and there's other cards that say, this card gets more powerful under this condition, and there's cards that say, you know, it makes this creature so much tougher. So it gets really, really, really complicated, and that's what makes it really interesting. Because you have to... Be very careful about balancing your deck for speed in terms of how fast you can put cards down that, you know, protect you or attack the bad guy. And yet having, you know, enough cards to have a versatile deck just in case somebody does, you know, a specific something. Like if you have a deck that is just creatures, you know, somebody might have a denial deck and it causes things to either get unsummoned or prevent the summoning. And then you could just never get any creatures out because all you do is, you know, you play a creature and then he's like, nope, you can't summon that. Or, you know, you put the creature out and he goes, nope, your creature goes away. So there's all kinds of different strategies in what you can, you know, build your deck around in terms of, do I want to have one that's more attacking? Do I want one that's more defensive? Do I want one that has this kind of creature that has this ability that pairs with this other creature's ability or this other ability that I have that, you know, isn't a creature? And it gets very, 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 very complicated. So the only thing I can really say about Magic the Gathering Duel of Deep Planeswalkers 2013, without blowing up your brain in terms of complexity, is that the game is really fun, and it is what I was hoping Magic Online would be. And again, you know, if you don't know Magic Online, you don't know what that means. Magic Online was the first attempt to put Magic the Gathering, the card game, on. You know, PC and make it online. I think that came out about 10 years ago, but it was somewhat limited in that, you know, the cards get complicated, and so the computer version can only handle figuring out so many combinations of certain things. So certain things had to be left out and certain things didn't work. And you had, you know, experienced players who had either better decks or way more knowledge than you. And the ranking just didn't exist, I don't think, when I tried it the first time. So you could come in. And you could get totally stomped in like two rounds, and it's like, well, this is no fun. So I kind of shied away from that one because it was sort of overly complex and not very balanced. I don't know how it is now. I'm kind of curious to learn more about it. But there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of information online about it. Anyways, Magic Gathering, Duel of the Planeswalkers 2013, is pretty much what I expected Magic Online to be way back in the day. The turns are pretty quick. The decks are pre-built, so you don't have quite the flexibility in terms of making a deck as Magic Online. You do have some flexibility in that you can go into the deck builder. You have more cards for that set that are available than the deck. I think the one I played had 60 in the deck by default and then 20 on the side. So I tweaked it. I put in, I think, maybe like 15 cards and then I took out some cards. And so it wound up being 66 cards total at the end. But, you know, like a dozen or more cards were different than the default deck. So I did have some flexibility in that. But you can't pull from, you know, all of the cards total that you have. You had to just stay within this deck's limitations or, you know, pack, I guess you could call it. And in this case, this was all white cards. So if I wanted like a white-black deck or a white-black-green deck or you know, any other mix. I couldn't do it because I was limited to just, you know, those 80 total cards. But, you know, I had flexibility. I could have less than 60 cards, I believe. I don't know what the limit is now. When I started way back in the day, the low end limit was like 40. It it might be different now. Or I could just put everything, you know, that that is possible for that deck into the deck and it would be like 80 cards. But again, then you get into, you know, balances of weight. Is it too slow is it too too light in terms of having enough monsters etc etc so if you're looking for something that has a lot of flexibility in terms of deck building this is not the game for you but if you do want something that is using the magic to gathering cards and it is a bit faster and it's a bit more action oriented I guess you could say I mean you know there are points where it pauses or you could look at the cards or you could you know pause the timer and you know think about your move as long as you want but if you let it go at its default speed it moves pretty quickly um i wouldn't say necessarily faster than an actual game would take but it's not really really slow paced or anything the graphics are really cool and there is some sort of animation i guess you could say like if somebody has a fire critter and they attack you know to do like a little bit of fire here and there it's not full 3d rendered i mean these are Cards, you know, still pretty much like the physical card. So the cards themselves aren't really animated per se, other than, you know, like if one is flying, it'll be floating above the table. But that's really all I can say about it. Like I said, it's very hard to describe to people who don't know what a collectible card game is, or who are unfamiliar with, you know, Magic Online. But I would say, you know, it's very cool, and I would recommend it to anybody who is interested in Magic the Gathering but doesn't want to go maybe the full depth of, you know, buying all the physical cards or going to Magic Online where, you know, they're all pretty much digital versions of the whole thing. But again, um, I don't know, maybe Magic Online would be cooler for me now because it's undoubtedly, you know, changed a lot since I played. I think I played like 10 years ago, so it's undoubtedly very different now. But I don't know, I still fear, um, you know, that imbalance of playing, you know, people that are vastly more knowledgeable or, you know, have much bigger card pools than me. Whereas Duel of the Planeswalkers, you know, it's got pre-built decks. You pick the deck and you can change the deck. And as you beat people, you unlock more decks. Or I think, you know, with the 2012 version, I saw a couple dozen decks that you could buy extra. So no doubt they will, you know, expand them and give you more decks later on. But you know, it's, it's very fun. There are you know, predetermined bad guys balanced at certain levels because of their decks, and there are also you know challenges and puzzles, like I fought one where the bad guy only summoned a small flying critter. he was a little owl, and that's all he did. He just summoned a summoned a flyer and then you know tried to attack you or defend and so he was like the first challenge. he was pretty much super easy. So, you know, there are different challenges like that in the game that you can play, and different puzzles. Again, I don't know if I can play with friends. It looks like I can, but, you know, I got this to play by myself. I wouldn't say no to playing with friends. But at the same time, I haven't, you know, explored the options of, you know, what ways are there to play with friends. But I would recommend it um to anyone who has been having a Magic the Gathering itch who didn't want to go, you know, all the way to physical cards or, you know, for some reason can't do physical cards or who just wants something a little bit lighter and faster and is, you know, slightly less complicated flawless victory yeah. So this hardware tip is probably not so useful for those with desktops probably more so for those of us with laptops but this tip is basically just clean your optical drive. Cleaning your drive is not something you normally think of for you know a movie player but it's something you should do. I try to do it about every six movies worth and the same goes for your computer system. If you're like me and you have a laptop and you watch a lot of movies you should definitely try and remember to do it if you're just using your desktop for gaming, you probably don't need to do it all that often because you probably just install games and then that's pretty much it. So you probably don't ever really need to clean the laser. But I would say, you know, just take the disc that you use for cleaning your, you know, movie watching system, be that a DVD player or Blu-ray, and pop it into your computer every now and then just to be sure. Like I said, you probably don't need to do it a whole lot. Probably most Regular desktops need to do it maybe once every 6 months to a year, but for laptops, you know, I would say, you know, I I try to do it every 6 movies or so. People probably don't do it anywhere near that often. Even I don't usually do it that often cuz I usually forget. But, you know, doing it now and then will definitely help, especially if the movies you are watching are rentals and, you know, the discs are just terribly yucky. It will make it, uh, you know, run better and read cleaner. And, um, you know, give you a better experience. Pretty much it's an all or nothing thing. You know, either your movies or games work or they don't. So usually people don't bother doing it until, you know, something is totally wrong. But I say do it when you remember. And that way it's, you know, cleaner. So I guess that is it for this Rabbit's Ramblings podcast. I have played Magic probably quite a bit. I'm on pretty much the last boss. I don't know how many hours I played. I would guess maybe 15 or 20 at this point, so I played quite a bit. I got into the Secret World beta. This is the last weekend. So a lot of the time that's been downloading and sometimes when I'm at work, I've been playing, so I've got a lot of play hours. The only Closing thoughts I have for it are occasionally there are a few ads for the paper game. It's like, what the crap is this ad doing in here? It's like you're playing the game and you beat a guy and you go to a next area and it's like, hey, you might want to try the paper game. And it's like, what the crap? So I, I don't know what that is about. I don't see how somebody could buy Magic the Gathering Duel the Planeswalkers. and not know there is, you know, a physical trading card game. That's just crazy talk. You have no control of the number of lands in your deck when you're building, you know, a deck. So I find that kind of confusing. It automatically does it by, you know, ratio of other cards, which I guess makes it easier. You know, there's less to think about, but it also makes it kind of weird for decks that are, you know, better with more land. So I don't know, that's kind of limiting in a way. I would guess a quick game can be about 10 minutes, but some can last 30 minutes plus. And you can easily lose track of time if you're, you know, not keeping your eye on it. I think once I played and an hour and a half went by super fast, I didn't even know. I just happened to glance up at the clock and I was like, whoa, what happened? So that's a, you know, a good thing because, you know, it's fun. There are only like six songs in the soundtrack, so the soundtrack tends to make you really crazy really fast. I don't know why they don't have more songs. Or why the songs, you know, repeat less often. Because with them being like, you know, eight minutes each, that means you're looking at about, off the top of my head, something like six or seven times an hour. And that's, you know, that's a bit much. In other news, Mass Effect 3 Extended Cut Download, what they're calling the content that retunes the ending, is due out on Tuesday. So at long last, we will have the changed ending. Will it be what we want? Uh, I don't know. I hope so. It'd be cool. If not, I don't know. People will probably still be making a fuss out of it forever. But I guess we'll find out next week. As I mentioned, I got into the Secret World Beta Weekend. This is the last weekend, and I guess they were letting anybody who'd signed up to the site in, even people who just signed up just now. It's probably pretty much too late for anyone hearing this podcast to go ahead and sign up unless you have like a really super fast modem. The client is like almost 13 gig. Because it took me so long to download it, I only had about half an hour to play before, you know, today, my last recording before the podcast is closed. So I won't really be able to tell you hardly anything about it. I joined the faction that my friend had joined. They got in before me. So, you know, I followed them. And I don't really mind. You know, it's beta. It doesn't really matter which faction I play. I got partway through the tutorial, so I didn't even really finish the tutorial. I didn't get to pick any skills or anything. It was automatically picked for me as part of, you know, the introduction to combat and how skills work in general. Hopefully when I go back, you know, I'll get to a point where it's like, hey, you know, you can spend these points you've been getting. But it was okay. I shot some zombies in the face and there were some like greater zombie kind of guys that I took care of. As I said, it was a training area, so they weren't very tough. I didn't get killed. You know, it was pretty obvious. They had this move where they kind of go, and it's like, okay, they're going to do something. I'll not be in front of them. So for an experienced player, the training seemed pretty easy so far. Like I said, I didn't get very far. I spent five or ten minutes building my character, so I probably only really played for like 20 minutes. It was very cool. I think everything in the game is voice acted. A couple of the characters, even in the starter area slash training mission, seemed like they were familiar voices i couldn't name them off the top of my head but i think they were you know known voice actors so that would be cool if they hired actual talent the animations were pretty cool there is an option for direct x11 i thought i was running under it but i didn't see anything that was super fancy looking certainly nothing that made me stop and go oh my god that's a dx11 effect that's so cool You know, it all looked like pretty basic stuff. I don't know if the client is disabled for the demo or if it's just they don't really use the DX11 effects or not. I don't know. Like I said, nothing overwhelmed me, so it didn't look like it was, you know, bleeding-edge graphics or anything. It looked, you know, standard, pretty good. It was more realistic, as they say, as opposed to something like cell shading. And it is set in a modern world, so, you know, character generation was regular clothes. I picked a guy for one of the few times in my life in an MMO and he's got like a a tank top shirt on I think and then he's got sort of a a camouflage type jacket and then camouflage pants. They didn't have any boot options except for cowboy boots which seemed really weird so I took what they called hiking boots which look you know kind of like military boots. The weird thing though that for face accessories there were six pairs of regular glasses and that was it. It's like What? There's no sunglasses? There's no like cowboy hats or other hats people might want to wear? Why is there no other options there? So that struck me as a little odd. Since the game is, you know, as far as I know, not something that you're going to change your equipment very often. It's not like a standard MMOG where you put on a new equipment and your look changes. This is like, you know, you have to get something really rare that changes your appearance. And as far as I know, they aren't bound to, you know, stat based things. It's not like the cowboy hat of ferocity where you get, you know, plus five melee or whatever. You know, it's just like cowboy hat and it doesn't do anything. I don't know. Could be wrong. Uh, Like I said, I didn't get through training. I looked at an inventory screen. I didn't look for a character screen because, like I said, you know, I, I was in training. I wanted to get through it as quick as possible to see as much as I could. But it seemed okay. You know, the voice acting was cool and the story was cool. You can only have three characters which kind of makes sense because you know that's one for each faction and it is kind of self-defeating to not always play the same character since you do just unlock more and more and more skills there's really no point in playing you know a different character that unlocks more skills since each character can have all the skills in the game you know eventually over time i would guess it would take like a ridiculously long time to get all of the skills But, you know, you get my point. Why play a different character if you can unlock more skills over time with playing the same character? And the character can, you know, switch out their skills, I think, you know, pretty often, if not, you know, whenever you want outside of combat. I'm not sure. I'm not not exactly sure how they've worked that into the game. But, you know, you have different builds and you can switch your builds. And so, you know, there's no real need to worry about You know, does this character have this skill? Or do I need to make, you know, a different character to build differently? There's no point. Just, you know, keep getting more points on the character and build differently and then switch out as you need or, you know, want to switch out. Like I said, I am really hesitant about it having that monthly subscription fee. Modern games tend to not do nearly as well as fantasy games. The same with science fiction. Science fiction games tend to not do as well. So I don't know. Modern day game probably won't have as much appeal I mean it will in the sense that it's not a fantasy game and so a lot of people will be interested just because of that but I think because they are going differently on the skills because they are saying you know there are quote-unquote no levels I think they're taking a really big leap and I think requiring a subscription is probably a bit optimistic of them I guess we'll see um, like I said, I have a theory that they're ready to drop it because, you know, they already supposedly have a microtransaction system in place with my teeny tiny playtime. You know, I didn't see anything about subscriptions and it's a beta weekend. So, you know, there's, there's no reason why people should see the, you know, monthly subscription sign up page anyways. So I don't know. I guess we'll see more, um, over this weekend and I can talk about it for next podcast. I guess that is it. I can't think of anything else to say, so hopefully everybody had a good time, and hopefully I will have some cool stuff to talk about next time. Okay, thanks, bye. So you wonder what your part is, because you're homeless and depressed. But home is where the heart is, so your real home's in your chest. Everyone's a hero in their own way. Everyone's got villains they must face. I don't know if this is really relevant. I'm going to delete it all. And if you don't have any, I don't. Know, it's blah 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 blah. Uh, you know, like, blah. Delete. That sounds like something out of science fiction. You live in a spaceship, dear. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com/podcast/rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbit dot com. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space, and be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbits Ramblings is copyright 2012 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.